Is anyone uh, in the audience at Vive or attended Vive? Let me know in the chat. And we'll get started in just a minute. And a big welcome to our live audience for Digital Health Investor Talk. I'm your host, Stephen Wardell. I'm the managing partner of Wardell Advisors, a digital health advisory firm, and the author of The Future of Digital Health. Wardell Advisors is helping digital health companies address issues around growth, fundraising, trade sales, and strategic alternatives, giving you more options in today's challenging environment. You can follow me at x.com slash Stephen Wardell. Our show today is on the outlook for 2024, the digital health outlook uh, for the coming year in terms of fundraising, consolidation, trends, macro, trade news, and upcoming events. This show is being recorded and will be included in my podcast series called Digital Health Investor Talk. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify. This is not investment advice and we are not investment advisors. Um, we invite participation uh, and we'll be responding to audience questions throughout. Um, and I may be able to have some friends join me on today's call. In order for you to do more than just watch this call, you need to register for an account with Callin. To register, you can access Callin at callin.com or through the Callin social podcasting app in your app store. The Callin platform works similarly to Twitter Spaces for a modern social audio experience. You're not late. You can still create an account on Callin. Uh, and visit this page, and then you'll be able to participate instead of just watch. Um, so we were originally scheduled to have Will Manitas, the, interest, the very interesting CEO of Science.io, on our call. However, earlier, earlier this week, Veridime, the leading EMR vendor, acquired Science.io, and Will can't be with us on our call as a result. No details of the deal were announced, but Science.io uses AI to transform text uh, into enriched healthcare data. Uh, so you can synergistically see the fit with an EMR vendor that has healthcare text. Um, it's also an AI success story as well, a company that uses AI to translate text into enriched healthcare data. Uh, and has been through the startup cycle and now sold in an exit. Um, this is also a win for Michael Pellini of Section 32 Ventures, which backed the company. Michael was the CEO of Foundation Medicine, and some key people at Science.io had spun out of Foundation Medicine to go on to Science.io. So now we'll move on to macro news, and I invite my audience to ask any questions uh, or uh, ask for comments on any macro news that you see affecting the digital health sector. Um, so uh, the first macro news is that I saw a piece that uh, Fidelity says that 2024 could be a good climate for IPOs. Um, so this is a piece on the Fidelity website, and they point to the fact that, that stocks are up in the last 12 months and indices are at near record high levels. 
but also that uh, the limited number of IPOs that we've had in the last 12 months have outperformed the overall market. So usually if indices are high, that means there's demand for new public stock products, for demand for IPOs. Um, and then if IPOs are outperforming the overall market, that's a very good sign that uh, the market could use some more IPOs. So I like to look at news from the perspective of the innovation economy, and this is great news for the innovation economy. We are stuck in fundraising right now. Uh, the reported fundraising each week is low. The reports from Rock Health show low levels of fundraising. Um, there's a problem of lead investors are not leading. Lead VC investors are not taking on the role of lead investor. Um, it's a big problem. And one of the factors that could move this in a positive direction is if we saw an opening of the IPO window and ultimately digital health unicorns going out and performing well in the market. Uh, that allows their investors to cash in and then recycle that money, put it to work in young companies. That gets the whole capital cycle moving. Uh, and so we saw an attempt to open the IPO window in the September, October, November timeframe, and that fell flat. It failed. We're seeing a couple attempts in the uh, in the new year to open the IPO window, but I'm glad to see that Fidelity is saying for the overall economy, um, uh, 2024 could be a good year for IPOs. And their their opinion is that we could see the IPO window opening for all and for healthcare. Um, so. Uh, the next piece of macro news is uh, the CPI for January came out and it came in at 3.1%. Um, I think the Fed is ultimately targeting in the range of 2%. Um, and we've had um, we've had high, higher inflation lately and the Fed's been raising rates, which has been causing all kinds of problems of uncertainty and other issues in the innovation economy. Um, so that 3.1% in January, that was a little hotter than the expected 2.9%. Um, so both inflation and high interest rates are really bad news for innovators. We really want the economy to be steady, inflation to be low, interest rates to be low. Um, and then investors will put that money in, in the companies of innovators and innovators will deliver the best kinds of returns. So when inflation's up and, uh, uh, and um, interest rates are up and the economy is, is iffy, that's, that's bad news for innovators. So we're not out of the woods yet. Um, but certainly 3.1% CPI is better than it was uh, in, in the past. Uh, so, um, uh, and one of the ways that we can see lift in the fundraising environment is if, uh, if, the, if inflation seems to be low and under control, then the Fed can lower interest rates and that lowering of interest rates is good news for the innovation economy and can get and can kickstart uh, venture investing in digital health. Um, so the NASDAQ, uh, I recently checked, was at 15.9 thousand. Um, just amazing. It's down a little bit recently, but uh, this means that the NASDAQ is up 59% since the beginning of 2023, so the last 14 months. So you know, to be a genius, all you would have had to have done a year and a quarter ago was put your money in the NASDAQ. Um, so stock market up uh, and this the stock market being up that contributes to a general sense of positivity about the economy. Um, and it also uh, signals that the market could be ripe for IPOs to sell into these, these high price levels. Um, so with that, I'll check to see if anyone has. Uh, so for our audience, you're welcome to, uh, to ask questions in the comments um, and I'll jump in and try to address those. Um, it's good to see so many of you in the audience. Th thanks for joining. Um, uh, and uh, 
So next, uh, just a Vive update. So at Vive, I've talked to about 20 investors and company leaders so far in the conference. I'm at Vive right now. Vive is winding down in a few hours. Um, and uh, the, the sense I got is it's still a very difficult fundraising environment. So that is that is a, a reiteration of the view from the JP Morgan conference. So it's so... Uh, Venture investors, young company leaders are, have not seen a significant improvement. They're hoping for an improvement. They have not seen a significant improvement since the JP Morgan conference, the first week of the second week of January in San Francisco. Um, however, I, I also heard a contrast, you know, in the news, we see companies shutting down. We see layoffs. We see a lack of new fundraises, a slowing down of product announcements. All of this, you know, is, uh, Bad news over the last two years since the end of the boom. Um, nevertheless, the Vive conference is packed. Uh, it is it is packed and full, and, and it seems bigger than last year. And people tend to have a sense of overall optimism. So there seems to be some um, what is the term here? Uh, some uh, incongruence uh, of the of the overall participation in conferences and excitement. Uh, 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 and uh, and overall optimism with, at the same time, the investors and company leaders saying that uh, the fundraising environment is poor and they don't see it getting better in the next 12 months. Um, so uh, maybe someone in the audience can help figure out this. Uh, I, I've heard one version of why there is this incongruence or this cognitive dissonance is that if there's one thing that digital health product people like to do more than build digital health products, it's go to conferences about building digital health products. Uh, so, um, and then lastly, um, I try to track if there are any healthcare attempts to open the IPO window and track how those IPOs go. And I haven't seen any in the last two weeks, any attempts of healthcare companies broadly defined to include biotech and healthcare services and digital health uh, to IPO. Uh, and so that, uh, that, that, so I'd like to see more try to IPO and then perform well after the IPO, but I haven't seen any in the last couple of weeks. So for our audience, do you know any? It'd be great if you could try to, to call it out in the chat. Um, and then, so that, that's it for macro news. Next is, um, uh, is industry reports. So for our audience, if there's any industry reports that have come out in the last two weeks or so and findings from those reports that you think it's worth bringing to the attention of the audience, you know, please put that in the chat. Um, I'll just mention that um, there's a commenter on Twitter. He's a professional in our industry named Rick Renard in Europe. Um, and he made a, he spotted a report from PitchBook uh, and put it on Twitter. So I give him credit for that. And the report said that in 2023, only two digital health companies um, raised money and achieved unicorn status. Um, and one of those is Headway, which is a therapy portal. Um, and that contrasts with the boom years, which was 2021 and 2022. In that span of time, 50 digital companies raised enough money to be unicorns. So that's just, that, that's consistent with what we're already, we already know and what we're seeing, but that, that's, that's a good quantification of how slow the market has become as compared to the boom years. So just checking to see if our audience has any um, any reports that they want to call attention to. Um, and then, so moving on to news, trade journal news, business news. Um, and for our audience, if there's anything that you want to um, kind of throw into uh, the mix here, 
go ahead and, and throw a, a news story. And I'm just going to check to see if any of the, the friends I'm expecting have joined the chat yet. Um, so uh, let's see. So in terms of news, you know, one news I want to call out for the audience is that the Massachusetts eHealth Initiative is launching a Medicaid digital health challenge and you need to apply by March 8th. So the winner of this challenge gets a pilot for their product for people living with dementia who are members of a Massachusetts SCO plan. So you can apply by looking by Google searching Medicaid challenge uh, with the Massachusetts eHealth initiative and massdigitalhealth.org. Uh, so I encourage it, people who are working on products in dementia to, to take a look at that. Um, other news. So this was very interesting and unexpected to me. Um, Dario Health, which is a, um, they have a, a, a diabetes management product that's competitor with Lobongo in the employer market and that also focuses on the consumer market as well. They announced an acquisition of a mental health digital therapeutics startup, Twill Health, for $10 million cash plus $20 million in stock, so $30 million. The CEO of Dario Health is Erez Rafael. The CEO of Twill Health is Tomer Benkiki. Um, Twill is the new name of Happify Health. So Happify Health sells mental health uh, products, dig digital mental health products to into the employer health tech budget um, in that market. So this is a, another sign of consolidation in the employer health tech market. Um, and it's an example of suite building um, by consolidators. So Dario Health is a public company. Um, it can be, and looks like it wants to be, a consolidator of companies in the employer market and the direct-to-consumer market. Um, and this in turn, so this is another acquisition in this market after the Virgin Pulse Health Comp uh, merger that happened a couple months ago. It's a sign of, of growing momentum in that market um, and sort of an unfreezing of the acquisition market, uh, especially in the employer health tech market. Um, so... Uh, uh, so moving on to another story, um, just uh, Veridime acquired Science.io. So that, that's Will Manitas, who was supposed to be our guest on this show, who couldn't make it because his company was acquired by Veridime earlier this week. Terms not disclosed, um, but this is another sign that in the um, provider tech market, the market that includes EMRs, clinical decision support, um, and revenue cycle management, um, there's an unfreezing uh, and an interest by players there in making acquisitions of young digital health companies in that sector as well. So it's a very good sign. Acquisitions are a very good sign. Sometimes acquisitions represent a wonderful exit by the founding team. Other times they could represent uh, being bought uh, for a disappointing price. Um, but nevertheless, it's better to have an, a, an active acquisition market uh, rather than live with a frozen acquisition market with no deals happening. So these are two deals that happened very recently that, that are very good signs in our sector and that play to themes that we know about and talk about in our sector. Um, so the next, moving on to the next story, um, just an interesting piece. You don't often see this, but in Modern Healthcare, which is a good trade journal that I recommend, um, a journalist there, Brock Turner, put out a piece the other week and he said that this is going to be the year of reckoning uh, in digital health. So that doesn't sound good, but that reflects themes that we've been talking about on this show. So themes like there's more announcements of company shutdowns uh, or um, asset sales 
than there are of new company formation or big funding rounds uh, in the sector, more announcements of layoffs as well. Uh, and that companies have had a very positive, good fundraising environment for years from 2009 through 2021. And then subsequent to that, for the last two years, a really tough environment where uh, you know a, a number of young companies that are earnings negative are not going to make it. Um, and that's true in the overall startup world in B2B and B2C, and it's also true in digital health. Um, so, and Brock Turner cites uh, the, uh, the tight fundraising environment as, as for calling this the year of reckoning in digital health. So I recommend that piece in modern healthcare. Um, moving on to the next news, um, uh, Redesign Health. So Redesign Health is a really interesting, really outstanding, well-funded, well-capitalized uh, incubator of digital health companies. They create their, they spot needs in the market. They create their own digital health companies. They're based in primarily in New York. Uh, and then they fund those companies. So they're an accelerator, an incubator, a studio, uh, and a venture fund. Uh, and you know, sadly, we saw in the last week or two that Redesign Health cut 77 staff jobs. So, uh, you have to have a lot of employees to have 77 that you can cut. Uh, I was surprised by the number that they're cutting. I was surprised that the company is, is that big as a venture studio and venture fund. Um, and they cited the poor investment climate, which is that they can create companies and fund them, but they need syndicate members. And the, the environment is poor and they're having trouble getting syndicate members to make their engine work of, of starting new companies. Um, and they said they would also slow their pace of new company creation as a result of their layoffs and the poor investment climate. So once again, that feeds into themes we've been talking about on this show for a while. It's another example of, of the slowdown. So I'm going to take a check to see if there's, if there's any comments in the room chat or, or stories that you want us to talk about. Um, uh, and uh, uh, let's see. So Next, um, something really unusual happened, which is that Foundry Venture Fund. So Foundry Venture Fund is a leading venture fund. It's not really a digital health fund. It, it, they don't play very much in our space. Um, they backed Fitbit, uh, which was both a consumer electronics company and a digital health company back in the day. Um, uh, they're an 18 year old venture fund with 3.5 billion in assets under management. Uh, and they have announced they are shutting down so they, this was unexpected because they raised a $500 million fund, which is a large fund last year. Um, and, but they're, they're going to invest that money, uh, but they're not going to invest further after that. They won't raise another fund after that. So this is a story that um, we're beginning to see, which is that venture funds can be very quiet about what's going on at the fund. They can move slowly. They can be quiet. Um, but eventually, venture funds are having trouble raising next funds and uh, a number of venture we're going to see a number of venture funds uh, close and usually when they close they're very quiet about it which is to say that they they fail to raise a next fund uh, they finish investing their existing fund uh, their junior and mid-level professionals leave and go find opportunities elsewhere uh, and the a few senior professionals stay on to manage the investments um, uh, but they, they don't have to be noisy about it. They don't have to say they're closing down. So it's unusual to see a venture fund actually say it's closing down. And I saw some, some speculation on the, the podcast called the All In Podcast with Jason Calacanis and his friends. 
And they were saying that they had heard that with tech funds that had substantially invested in years like 2021, that many of those um, young funds that had put, put to work their money in 2021 were expected to face a lot of difficulties and maybe fail to raise a next fund uh, because they put their money in at the height of the market uh, and then the market uh, pulled in and it's going to be hard for them to generate returns and then use those returns to raise the next fund. Um, so we're still in a time of more wind downs uh, than fundraises. Uh, so it's a tough time. So now I'm going to move on to some announcements about uh, about fundraisers we do see and what to make of them. Um, so, uh, uh, and uh, just another call to my audience, if you have any um, uh, any news stories that you'd like to introduce into the discussion or, or chat about, feel free to throw them into the, uh, the, the, um, the text messaging. So uh, there's some good news. Uh, Be Well Connected Health, a health management platform, announced that it closed a $40 million Series C growth round led by Levitt Equity Partners. Uh, Kristen Valdez is the CEO of BeWell. Andrew Clark is the partner at Levitt Partners. Um, I think Samsung was in this round as well. And BeWell unifies patient health records, uh, financial information, and wearable data. There's the angle for Samsung there uh, and other healthcare data. So this is interesting for a number of reasons. Um, the first thing we're seeing here is that this is a Series C growth round. Um, so deals are getting done, but they're very often not getting done at the Series A and B round uh, level. They're being done for Series C in growth rounds uh, for companies that uh, have achieved product market fit uh, and that are selling and need some growth capital to hire sales and marketing and boost growth. That's a safer investment than uh, most venture investing has been historically. So this is part of the, I, I'd say this, I would put this deal in the category of the flight to quality uh, in there as well. Uh, also, Levitt Partners, not a mainstream digital health venture fund. Um, uh, so uh, they, I, you don't see them. They're, they also have a consulting firm that's in health IT. So it's clear that they have expertise. But you don't see a lot of deals uh, contributed to by uh, Levitt Partners or led by Levitt Partners. Um, uh, and Samsung occasionally comes into healthcare deals as well. But here's a syndicate with Levitt Partners and Samsung. This is not a mainstream digital health venture fund syndicate. And that's what I mean when I say that lead investors aren't leading. We're not seeing a lot of syndicates led by the world-class mainstream large digital health venture funds. They are not as active and, and that that streak of inactivity is continuing this week. Um, so then I was interested to see that, uh, so the next story is Ohio-based Ready Health is a tech-enabled health management platform for patients and healthcare providers. And they announced they'd closed a $14 million Series B funding led by Blue Heron Capital. So Ready Health offers a patient-facing mobile app and web platform that includes medication and symptom tracking. Luke Buchanan is the CEO of Ready Health, and Gordon Crenshaw is the partner at Blue Heron. Um, so this is, uh, well, another example. Uh, so I, I say congratulations to Ready Health uh, for managing to raise this round in this difficult environment. Uh, and again, Blue Heron Capital is, you know, they're, they're a known fund that, occasion, that, that invests in digital health, but they are not a large, mainstream, famous digital health venture fund. So here you have 
uh, you have a syndicate put together um, that includes Blue Heron. Uh, so the CEO is getting the, the fundraise done, um, but uh, uh, we're not seeing this being led by a syndicate of world-class mainstream large digital health venture funds. They're, they are silent. They are absent from this mix. So this is another example of uh, you know, CEOs not being able to raise from those world-class venture funds. Um, so, but it's good to see this round. I'm sure it was challenging to raise, and it was good to see this round come through. So, um, the next story is about uh, a healthcare data and analytics company called Revelier. Uh, it announced that it secured more than 65 million in funding, led by Hercules Capital. The CEO there is Jay Ackerman. Revelier offers payer-focused, AI-enabled workflow data and analytics platform with offerings pertaining to risk adjustment, quality improvement, and member management with the objective of advancing value-based care. So this is selling into the payer um, uh, part of digital health. So this is great. This is a more mature, larger company. Um, and Hercules Capital, again, not uh, a mainstream large digital health venture fund that's supplying this um, this, this $65 million round. I think you could call this part of also the, the flight to quality as well, because this is a, a larger company doing a larger round. Um, it's got product market fit. It's more proven. It's probably either cash flow positive or, clo or close to cash flow positive or path there. Um, and so uh, this is another example of uh, a company needing funding and getting funding this time from Hercules Capital. Know, not from the mainstream, large, uh, famous digital health venture funds, but from an alternate source. Um, so uh, then I have a few more of these stories, just checking in on uh, any questions from the audience, um, but a few more of these stories. So very interesting, ULA, a modern maternity hybrid care company, um, raised announced it raised a $28 million Series B funding co-led by Revolution Ventures and Maverick Ventures with participation from, from GV, which is the name of the fund that was formerly Google Ventures. So finally, here we are. Here are mainstream prominent digital health venture funds, and they're backing a modern maternity company that's a hybrid care company. So hybrid care means that they have bricks and mortar offices, primary care clinics, uh, and they also um, are built from scratch to include uh, uh, digital care as well. So a mix of, of telehealth and um, in-office visits, uh, patient portals, um, data collected digitally, um, home monitoring, issues like that. Uh, so I was really glad to see that here, here you have um, you know, uh, a company that has raised money from those, from the outstanding um, large mainstream digital venture funds. This is, I think, the only one or one of one of two that I that we're seeing this week. Um, and here, I think that the the trend I'm noticing here is the trend of hybrid care. So we've seen this trend since the beginning of the pandemic, um, but, and it's continuing. So we're seeing continued success, continued investment by the companies to, that are building hybrid care. Uh, clinics and continued interest by venture investors in backing those companies, which suggests that they are highly competitive in the market for primary care clinics and maternity care, uh, that they are out-competing uh, your, your standard um, doctor-led uh, old-style clinics, uh, which is, which is a, that's a good sign for innovators and for digital health. So 
Um, and the next one uh, that I'll that I have is uh, this one was was really really interesting. This is ambience healthcare. So this is one that that's um, that's worth watching. Uh, and ambience healthcare care closed a seventy million dollar Series B funding round. Um, uh, focused on cutting away the burnout-inducing manual workflows of healthcare using the latest advances in generative AI. So this is really interesting. There's a couple of things going on here. First, this is a healthcare AI company that is building on the achievements of OpenAI's uh, uh, generative AI large language model products. So everyone is curious, what will generative AI do in healthcare? Um, and I think the single most common answer as to what generative AI will do in healthcare is it will deal with paperwork and um, the role of scribing in, in healthcare, which is about clinical notes, uh, and the role of billing in healthcare. Um, and, which, and these are awful manual workflows in healthcare, uh, and there, there are attempts to automate them, and generative AI uh, may have the potential to be smarter about automating them. And here we have one of those companies chasing after this very opportunity. So this is Ambience Healthcare. Really interesting backstory to this. So this is led by Michael Ng, who was previously at Remedy Health. Um, and, uh, uh, and he raised this round from the OpenAI Startup Fund. So that is literally a fund of OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT. Um, and co-led with Kleiner Perkins. Um, so the, the partner at the OpenAI Startup Fund is Brad Lightcap. He's an employee of OpenAI, and he's also the partner at the OpenAI Startup Fund who led the round. Um, so you've got OpenAI Startup Fund and Kleiner Perkins, and then other investors, Andreessen Horowitz and Optum Ventures. Um, so these are the outstanding, famous, uh, prominent digital health venture funds. And the one time we see them is when they're backing a relatively new, this company is probably four years old, a company applying AI to uh, some of the biggest workflow problems in healthcare. Uh, and so I think this is a company to watch. So another trend here is you're seeing the West Coast phenomenon of giving a young company a giant pile of cash. So 70 million is a really big series B round um, to give to a company um, and letting it uh, you know, go, go chase that and become an instant leader simply because of their cash balance sheet uh, in that space. Um, and uh, uh, so, and we've also heard that um, although mainstream venture funds have been uh, slow and reticent uh, in these last few years, that they are interested in AI stories. Um, and so this is probably now the most prominent example of an AI story backed by leading uh, venture funds. So that's the news uh, that I always like to focus on uh, fundraisers and, and, and the trends they point to and what they can tell us. Um, and so, uh, any from our audience, um, any anyone, any stories that you want to um, uh, that you want to call attention to um, before we move on. Uh, so um, let's see. So next, um, I'm going to I'm just going to check. I have a friend Shwen Gui who may be helping to join the call. And he wanted to talk about South by Southwest Health, which is coming up. And we've reached that section of the call now. So, so now we're going to talk about upcoming conferences. Uh, and I, I hope to provide you with a mini review of these conferences to help you decide whether it's worth your time and money to go. <coughs> Excuse me.
Um, so the next conference, well, first let me give up an, an, an after the fact review of the Vive conference. So I really liked this year's Vive conference. Um, I think we should understand what the Vive conference is. The Vive conference is a conference focused on innovation, young company innovation um, in the, the part of digital health that covers payers and providers. So it's like a mini version of the health conference in October in Las Vegas, except it only covers payers and providers. Um, and it's also owned by the same company, the same health company that runs the health clinic and run by the same conference producer, whose name is Jonathan Weiner, who I think does a great job with these conferences. Um, and Vive to me seems like what I thought it was going into it, which is that it's an investor conference. So that maybe make people scratch their heads. I don't think Vive calls itself an investor conference. Um, Vive is trying to be all things to all people within the world of payers and providers and innovation. Um, but Vive does a great job of getting investors to come. Who are the investors? VCs, growth equity investors, private equity investors. That's a great job of getting investors to come. Then it gets a great job of getting young companies that are looking to raise venture, raise growth equity, raise private equity to come. So Vive does a great job there. It does a great job with educational programming. Um, uh, and people enjoy the programming, the programming at Vive. Um, I think where it's a little weak is that Vive um, is not a trade show. I think Vive wants to be a trade show, but it's not successfully a trade show. And so uh, trade shows would have more participation from the large incumbents and from the uh, the so it would have so that would be um, you'd have participation from the hospitals and health plans and large medical practices. And their budget decision makers, their department heads and CEOs who are budget decision makers who buy software and who come to the conference to make capital investment decisions and then buy the software. And so I, I think that's a disappointment of Vive, which is that young companies come here. They, it's hard to meet with investors. They get to meet with investors. They like that. Then they want to sell their software to the big incumbents, the big payers, like the like the big health like the big commercial health plans and the big providers like the big hospitals or big medical practices, and they don't find the the buying executives, uh, they don't find the presence and the buying executives here. They might find the innovation executives who have no budget and are not and are not part of the selling process, um, but they don't find the um, the software purchasers at Vive. And I think Vive wants to improve that and may improve that over time. And Vive is a young conference, and so but that's where that, that's um, but all in all, I liked Vive for. The networking, uh, the information, the snap uh, that you're getting, the snapshot, uh, uh, the the pro of, of the sector, the programming, um, the investor conference nature of it. I liked it for those reasons. Um, so, if you guys, if anyone wants to in our audience, does anyone have any any thoughts about Vive or any conferences coming up that they uh, are planning to attend um, or would like me to review? Because I'm about to move on to some more conferences now. Um, so let's see, moving on, the next conference is South by Southwest. So, uh, many people know South by Southwest for the music festival or the interactive media festival, but there's actually a track at South by Southwest, which is the health and med tech track. Uh, and I've been on that track before the pandemic. I haven't been back since the pandemic. Um, and South by Southwest is March 8th to 12th in Austin. Tickets are about $2,000 to go. Um, and uh, they are, and I have a friend, Xuan Gui, who goes there every year. 
Um, he throws a party there every year. So if you guys know Schwen, uh, then write him, uh, get in touch with him, ask if he has any spots left at his party. He's, he's hosting it again this year. And he has helped create the South by Southwest health and med tech track. Uh, and uh, uh, so he, he was going to try to hop on the show today uh, and pitch you know, why this is a good track uh, to, to attend. So I went uh, to South by Southwest in the past, and I found that it's a great opportunity to meet digital health startups and med tech startups that are based in Austin and digital health investors and med tech investors who are based in Austin. And then you can also meet uh, with, um, uh, with other CEOs and other investors who go to South by Southwest. The trouble is, is that you don't really know in advance who's going. So when it comes to JP Morgan, when it comes to Vive, when it comes to health, um, such a high proportion of key decision makers are going to those conferences that if you just write them, you're probably correct in guessing that they're going and then you and that also that they want to do a meeting. Um, but with South by Southwest, the proportion of digital health and med tech companies and investors that are going is uh, pretty low out of the total number of med tech company CEOs and uh, investors uh, who in in the digital health and med tech industries. And so there's a coordination problem. How do you know, are you gonna write many people and have only, and then bother a bunch of them and and only a small number will say yes? Uh, you may have to do that to get meetings. Uh, and the meetings are typically done. You do them in, in the hotels like the Marriott that are right around the South by Southwest festival. It's, it's easy to grab that space uh, and use that. And the festival is fun. It's a fun, it's a great learning experience. Um, there's gonna be uh, very good programming there. Um, and senior people go and they're having a good time and it's a good way to meet them socially. But the proportion uh, who go to South by Southwest is low compared to other conferences. And so there's a coordination problem in knowing who's going and being able to meet with them. But there's other reasons to go like it's fun. So I, I hope I represented uh, Schwen's views. He's trying to, he is uh, helping to organize and promote this track and also throwing his own party there. Um, and uh, that, that's my view. And I. And you know, I would I would go again, um, but if it conflicted with Vive or Hymns or something, I, I would go to Vive or Hymns uh, uh, in favor of South by Southwest. Um, so that's my, my overview of South by Southwest. Um, next uh, coming up, and I'll just I'll just put a call out there to anyone in the audience who um, who wants to ask about for a review of a conference that they're thinking of going to in the future. Um, so. Uh, Next is um, an intriguing co conference is coming up. It's PM360's Spark Conference, which is Monday, March 25th in New York City. So PM360 is the top trade journal for the pharma marketing and brand budget. Um, so this is pharma commercial spend. Uh, pharma brand managers have big budgets and they say they spend a lot of it on tech to help sell their drugs better. Um, and this is the trade journal, and they are putting on a Spark conference, which is an innovation conference. They're getting together the uh, the young companies in this pharma tech space, the pharma tech space that focuses on the commercial budget. They're getting together the investors. They're getting together the brands who have budgets who buy the software products uh, together for their Spark conference. And it's in New York City, which is the leading hub for pharma brands. Um, so. That's coming up Mar Monday, March 25th in Manhattan. Um, and I'll be speaking there. I'll be speaking on winning strategies for innovators. 
um, at the conference. So typical ticket prices are about um, 700 bucks uh, and I have a discount code. So you can save 10% by using my discount code, which is um, INNOV4VCW, um, INNOV4VCW. That's the PM360 um, Spark Innovation Summit uh, on March 25th in New York City, if you, if you want to go to that. So I recommend that for uh, young company leaders who are in pharmatech, who are selling into the brand and marketing budgets in pharmatech, this would be a great chance to um, for um, uh, for education and for meeting the brand managers who are buying the product, who are reading the magazine, who are buying the tech products and read the magazine, uh, and also venture investors who cover the sector. So, uh, and then um, the next conference I'll, I'll point to after that uh, is uh, BioIT World. So BioIT World is coming up. It's in Boston, April 15th to 17th. Tickets are about $2,000. Um, so BioIT World is about the world of the pharma R&D leader. So this is early to mid-stage research and development in pharma. It's not discovery so much, and it's not clinical development. It's, uh, it's, it's drug development at the early to mid-stage. Um, and this is about uh, IT solutions for that drug development. It's a very large conference, um, and that's a pretty specialized area. There's not a lot of great conferences in that area. So I expect that we'll see the software companies that assist with drug development uh, attending BioIT World. Um, and it's a, it's a trade show. We'll also see the big pharma um, decision makers, the R&D leaders, the, the pharma CIOs, will be going to BioIT World and making their capital spending decisions at BioIT World. And then we'll see a, a few investors will also go here. So the sector called PharmaTech is heating up. Pharma is feeling rich and spendy right now, especially in comparison to hospitals, which are not feeling rich and spendy, or health plans, which are not feeling rich and spendy right now. But pharma is feeling relatively rich and spendy. Uh, and so venture investors are seeing that, and they're, they're, they're focusing on the world of PharmaTech. And this is the part of PharmaTech that is software and tech companies selling into the pharma R&D budget. Um, and so uh, if, if your company is in this sector, I would recommend going, possibly even exhibiting. Um, if they offer matchmaking with VCs, I'd recommend paying extra to, uh, to, to do that. Um, so that, that's BioIT World. Um, and then I'm actually throwing a party uh, that week in Boston for people who are coming to Boston for BioIT World. Um, that party will be Monday, April 15th. Um, and you can check out my Eventbrite page uh, under April 15th uh, to find the link for that party. So that, that's, a, that's a digital health party for company leaders and investors who are visiting Boston to attend BioIT World. Uh, and you can go to stephenwardell.eventbrite.com, which is my Eventbrite page, and, and look up the event for April 15th and find that uh, and register if you'd like to attend our, our party. So that is um, an overview of, of upcoming conferences in the sector. And so, you know, I, I think that um, today's show is going to be a relatively short show. We, we covered a lot of the, the uh, topics of the outlook for the next few months and for 2024. And so I'll check in to see if there's any more questions from our audience. Um, but if there, if there isn't, then, um, you know, I might wind up uh, a little early uh, on this show. Um, which is a relatively short show for, for good cause because our, our guest of honor today's company got bought. Um, 
So next I'll, I'll talk about some, some personal notices. So uh, the, the next show that we're doing is, is going to be March 13th, so in two weeks um, at 4 p.m. And the topic is uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. And the topic is commercializing innovation in tough times. So this is our guest, Warren Templeton. Warren Templeton, he ran BizDev at Fitbit for a while, uh, and then he got the nod from the American Medical Association to start their venture studio and a corporate venture fund. So Warren runs the corporate venture fund of the American Medical Association. Um, and uh, they've, they've made a lot of investments in the, in the last, they're, they're a relatively new fund. They've made a lot of investments in the last few years that they're leveraging the power of their relationship with doctors, uh, in, in their selection and their support uh, of portfolio companies. And he's going to talk about their work as a venture studio in helping companies commercialize their innovation in tough times. So that, that, that's our next show. Um, and then our next drinks night uh, is going to be Thursday, March 21st um, uh, 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 in Boston, in, in downtown Boston. Uh, and um, our guest for that is a is a investing partner at Echo Health Ventures. Um, so uh, we'll be hearing uh, Jose Guerrera, I think, is, and he'll he'll be talking about what public markets uh, uh, events mean for private marketing investing in digital health at that event. So if you're in the Boston area, you'd like to help convene the digital health community of young company leaders and investors. Um, I hope you'll join us for that drinks night party. Um, so with that, I'll just check in and see if anyone has any topics they want to raise for the show um, or news stories they'd like the reaction or, or conferences um, they'd like a mini review of. Um, and um, so I, I don't see any, any questions from the audience. So uh, we have a short show today. Thanks so much for coming. Um, and uh, uh, I think we'll, we'll wind it up. Um, so you've been listening to Digital Health Investor Talk. Uh, I'm Steve Wardell. Our topic today, the outlook uh, for digital health in 2024. Our next show will be Wednesday, March 13th at 4 p.m. The topic is commercializing innovation during tough times. What innovators should do to commercialize and sell in today's difficult economic environment with our guest, Warren Templeton. Um, uh, and uh, to find a list of upcoming shows and events, check out stephenwardell.eventbrite.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, where my handle is Stephen Wardell. Uh, thanks, and I'll, I'll talk to you again later. Bye-bye.